Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Uh, and our booth, uh, Robert, here in uh, the French Catholic Cafe has just gotten a little more crowded, hasn't it? It sure has. We have two guests. That's right. It's always two for the price of one. Well, we're talking about large numbers today, aren't we, Deacon? We're going to talk about large numbers, and we're going to talk specifically about large families. Right. And see, I have four children, which I get comments all the time that I have a large family, but that's really not large. That's it's all relative, isn't it? Well, it how is. many do you have, Deacon? I have nine. Okay, good. But we're, we brought some folks in that have eight. Oh. Right, so between us, we have what? I, if I do my math right, you know, homeschooling and all, I have 37. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just joking. We we have with us, we have Dr. Tim and Lisa Fallon. And uh, Dr. Fallon there, Tim, you're an oral and maxillofacial surgeon, DDSMD. That's right. That we, sounds like a lot of letters and stuff. What do you, you basically fix faces, right? I mean, uh, yes. I, I can only imagine. What do, what do you do? I'm a surgeon of uh, the the uh, face and the oral cavity, both a, uh, a dentist and a physician. Wow, sounds great. And then, of course, we have Lisa, and she's got a much more important job, obviously. That's right, your mother. Yes, I have the more difficult profession. I and think. how many? How many is that? How many kids? We have eight children. Wonderful, wonderful. So we're going to talk about large Catholic families. Now, that's a sort of a, I don't know, a lost art, even amongst Catholics now. We used to get teased all the time, right, about about a, being right. a large Catholic family, and uh, they either said, "Are you a Catholic? Are you Mormon? What what you know? What's what's going on?" But or do you have a uh, kindergarten that's following you behind? <laughs> exactly the, right. At, so at the, the store. <laughs> but what we want to talk about really is I say lost art because it's it's there's not as many large families as there used to be. It was much more common. Well, almost all of uh, the conversations I've had have been with close friends that are professionals. Um, in the hospital and people in uh, my profession, all of whom have one or two children, and it's almost always because of economic reasons. Um, they are concerned, of course, about education and about uh, how good a life their children are going to have. And they figure the fewer children they have, the better life their children. Well, they're will not have. like they're not like evil and mean people, right? They have, they have they have they're well meaning. They're thinking, well, if I can conserve my resources, if I can hold on to these things that I can better and more wisely assist my kids. I think, too, people are uh, misguided. They believe that they don't have enough attention to give to more than two children. They feel somehow their love is divided amongst their children, when, in fact, it really is multiplied. With each child, you grow in grace, and your ability to love increases. I remember as a, a brand-new father having one child and then going from one to two. And I remember, it was so long ago, by the way. And I remember that, but I remember thinking at one point in time, well, am I going to... Do I have to cut my love in half? Like, right? Is there a, is a finite amount of love? Right. But, but you're right. It's a it's a grace. It's a gift that you have an infinite amount of love to give, right? And really, because it's not your love, like it's the love of the Father, right? It's it's that that right. sort of trinitarian presence in you, and that grace that comes in holy matrimony. The loaves and the fishes. There was a whole bunch left over afterwards too. So He always provides more hey, than we need. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, did you knowingly decide that you were going to have a large family? Well, I come from a large family, and Lisa doesn't. And uh, I remember, I think, was it our first date? You said you wanted six children? 
and I was the only one that didn't run. <laughs> but did you decide that at some point in time in your marriage that you were just going to be open to the gift of life? How did, how did that I work I think immediately. You? I grew up in a small family. It was my brother and I, and I uh, grew up without a sister. And I think people who have two children, choose to have two children, really miss the boat there. It's, it's hard to go through life without a, without a sister to share things with. Um, you got more than you asked for. I did, I guess. Lisa's the, the uh, aunt to 43 <laughs> nieces and nephews in our family. Well, that's so, good, yeah. though. Because that's the other thing about the being in a large family. You necessarily will suddenly have a large extended family because that's all part of the process. And so there's never a lonely moment, is there? No, no. Yeah, that's the sadness, I think, about some, some folks who have made the decision uh, that they don't want to have a lot of kids they want to stop at one they want to stop at two and maybe they want to stop at three and that's a huge family to them and you know later on in life there's that sort of empty nest thing where they're kind of alone oh, and there's a loneliness there but i can i don't think i'm ever going to have a day alone in my house right. ever I'm, again i'm 45 and I, many of my friends and colleagues uh, in the medical profession are thinking of retiring already their children are in college or almost in college or finished and they're uh, kind of looking at each other husband and wife saying well what do we do now Go to Florida. <laughs> and, and it is, it is, you know, it, my father's 74 and uh, my mother is 72 or 3. And I'll withhold their names so my mother doesn't know I just told the world how old she is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they have 43 grandchildren and uh, it's, it's a second youth for them. I think what's so amazing for me as a parent, I only have four children. So I've, I've got a small family in, in the company I have. What here, a but, tiny family you have. But, you know, I think about how precious and how different each child is and how. Of the four, if one of them wasn't there, how, there'd be a void in our family. Yeah. And I always think about, you know, how much, uh, you know, I heard wealth described before as that which you would pay nothing not to have. You know, the, the, and what's more precious than your children? And, you know, it's, it's funny because now that I have four, I can't imagine not having four. I mean, do you all feel the same with eight children in terms? Absolutely. The joy, the joy that those children bring to you day after day after day is indescribable. And for them as well. Um, people always ask me, is this your last? Are you done? Are you done? Are you finished? Thinking that somehow I am taking something away from my children, that I'm not able to give them what they truly need. And I have to tell you, every time we're expecting a child, my children are full of joy. They await that child with bated breath. They love that child before that child is born. They welcome that child into our family. There's been no sibling rivalry ever. Can you remember any time there has been? Yes. <laughs> Maybe my husband feels a little. But I wouldn't have said, I, I, probably not rivalry. I mean, you know, when you have, when you have that many kids, there's going to be you just the law. Of, the, the physics, you know, takes, takes, takes over. And there's going to be times when some people are too close to other people. Oh, we have <laughs> our fights, for right. sure. But I mean, bringing a new child into the house has, right. has never brought anything but joy in our family. We have uh, where we're from in central New York, uh, many people that are friends of ours think that in our family we're trying to have more kids as a competition with my <laughs> brothers and sisters in our family. And we've never thought of it that way either. We're not we're doing this because it's what we it's our calling in life. Tim, and, uh, could, you, could you address though, as a small family of four, one of the fears I think that comes up is, you know, I've got kids in Catholic schools, I've got you know the the money to feed them and clothe them. And all. Do you did y'all have those fears, and how, what's been the reality of that? Has you know in terms of we certainly did. My didn't start a practice until I was thirty four years old, uh, almost thirty five, and uh, you know, I have a lot of debt 
from uh, my education. I was graced to have a, you know, a father that did uh, help me. Um, but we still have a lot of debt, and it's something that uh, I do think about. It, it makes me get up in the morning and go to work <laughs> and uh, stay late and do the things you have to do as a surgeon. Uh, but it is also something that I give over to God, and uh, I tell him, you know, I'll keep working and I'll keep doing if you allow me to do that and give me the strength to do it, and I know he'll provide. Um, I think we, we've also been programmed by society to believe that we have to give our children so much today, and really they can get by with so much less. But really, the beauty is that just trusting in God, that so right. often now we're, we're taught to trust in ourselves, that we need to have that 401K, we need to have all right. this stuff built up, and that we need to plan for the future. And, and it's good to plan for the future in, in a certain sense, but really to trust that God will provide. Uh, is is uh, is the biggest part of all this stuff because a lot of people think, well, how am I going to afford this? Well, really, you don't have to afford it. God's going right. to afford it. Well, and the needs, Deacon and, and Doctor Fallon. I mean, Tim, don't don't you think that people think today that a kid must have his own room? No, every child has to have his own room. Every child has to have a car when they turn sixteen. We our kids, they'll each have their own bed. <laughs> they, just, they, they don't though they don't yeah. they share beds um, a couple of them. Um, when I look at my children and I think of their needs. I, I, they have their faith, and they have their siblings, and I think those are the best things that you can offer to your child. Right. Let's talk about the faith for a second. Obviously, you are living examples of the Catholic faith, right? And, and that calling to be open to life is quintessential Catholic teaching here. How important is it? Is your Catholic faith to your, your large family? I mean, obviously, they, they probably go hand in hand, don't they? They do, and I think they, they help you to grow in your faith as well because you cannot have eight children without giving up something of yourself. And you become, with each child, I said, you do grow in grace, but you, it's, it's very practical. You have to be more selfless with each child, and you become more open to God's Word, and you put more trust and faith in God than if we had to. And we're not perfect either, you know, and I think a lot of times people, and, and Deacon Jeff, you know this too, people think, and also, Rob, if you have... You're living your faith. Maybe they don't know. You're not living it outwardly, carrying a flag. But people know you're Catholic, or at least they ask you that at the store or right. Mormon. Uh, and they immediately th- think that you must be a perfect Catholic. And we're not. We're no different than anybody else. We just made a decision. We make decisions every day that are a little bit different than somebody else's decisions. And we were active in uh, natural family planning type uh, things when we were younger in our, in our, in our marriage. And at one point, we just said to ourselves, you know, we're just going to be open to whatever uh, God gives us. And, uh, um, and we, we are, I, I hope that we're an example. We're not trying to be an example, but I hope that we're an example. But we're not perfect at all. But just the idea of, of living the faith, that is, that's such a beautiful thing to see. And, and whenever I see a, you know, you, you, you're driving along on the road and you're, I'm in my big white van, that, you know, 37-passenger uh, van, and we pull up and, and we see another one just like us next door. We just have that wave. We don't well, – they, they probably homeschool. They're probably right. Catholic. They may or may not be. But, uh, you know, it's another large family. We just kind of say, hey, we're here too, and we kind of feel that camaraderie, and it's it, just uh, nice to right. see. right. It makes you feel better, and it does uh, – you know, you get – that you do. It's a camaraderie, and I give them the wink or the nod, you know, and uh, – 
we uh, we've had many occasions where we've run into yeah, other in families that, like that. In that, that wink or nod, are a thousand stories that That's you both right. share instantly. Your best friends, because we've all had the same experiences. <laughs> they know there's a dirty diaper hidden in the back of the van somewhere that <laughs> and, nobody can find, and probably ten thousand old French fries <laughs> tucked down in the seats that the kids will bring up yeah. every once in a while. Or Skittles. We'll never go hungry because there's so many Cheerios <laughs> on the floor of our car that we can just. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's telling us too much. And before uh, before Tim tells us too much about the family history, uh, we're going to take a break. And uh, before we do that. I want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And I uh, want you to email me. Send me an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Born in England in the late 7th century, a man named Winfrith felt called to the monastic life and joined the Benedictines at an early age. It was not long before he flourished in the faith and became recognized as a powerful conduit for the Holy Spirit to all those he encountered. Tradition tells us that the Pope himself changed Winfrith's name to Boniface, a name that means good fortune. St. Boniface was very well thought of in the Catholic Church in England and would have most definitely excelled there, but he felt a burning desire to carry the gospel message to those who were not yet Christians. He focused his attention on continental Europe, where a colorful array of pagan religions was beginning to take root. With an evangelistic zeal, he crossed the seas and found himself settled in Germany, where he went to work straight away sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One story is told of how St. Boniface had become so distressed by the pagan worship of trees in Germany that he decided to go to the public square and cut down a giant oak tree dedicated to the god Thor. The townspeople looked on in horror, fully expecting Thor to avenge the horrid deed and punish St. Boniface. But nothing happened. They became convinced that the god of St. Boniface, the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the one true god. Many were converted to Christianity because of this one simple act on the part of St. Boniface. As St. Boniface entered his 80s, he resigned all his positions of leadership and once again went back to his roots of the simple missionary life. Though he was advanced in years, he was still a compelling force for the church. He converted many to Catholicism, but at the same time made his enemies all the more jealous of his successes for God. In 754, St. Boniface and 53 of his followers were murdered by a band of pagans determined to stop the continuing spread of Catholicism. Without any resistance whatsoever, they quietly laid down their lives for Christ and his church. St. Boniface was lovingly referred to as the Apostle of the Germans. Recalling the years that St. Boniface worked in Germany, a well-known German church historian stated, To us, this was a period of light when the light of the gospel and of Christian civilization came to us. The feast day of St. Boniface is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 4th. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious Corner booth here in France, in Lourdes, France, in our French Catholic Cafe. And uh, we're talking with uh, Tim and Lisa Fallon, uh, talking about large families. 
Um, and so you've been open to life, and that's beautiful. It's a beautiful gift that you're open to life and that you're basically living the Catholic faith. I mean, that's how you live the faith is by allowing life to grow in that family. Let's talk about some of the advantages to having a large Catholic family because really most of the times we'll hear from other folks all the disadvantages, all the problems. We've talked about the finances and things like that. But there are also some inherent advantages to having a large family. What are those What have those been for you guys? When you're raising uh Children, brothers and sisters, they have brothers and sisters, first of all. It's a great advantage for the, I think, for the human to be raised in a family with many brothers and sisters. It allows them to become a certain kind of a person. They learn responsibility at a young age. There's uh, jobs that need to be done in a big family. Um, if you don't pick up after yourself, there's going to be a mess because there's six or seven or eight people that aren't picking up after themselves. And they will remind you that you are not doing your job. That's right, constantly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everybody has jobs. We're not very organized. We don't have a sheet on the wall like many big families have. This is your job. You didn't do it. We kind of do everything on the Lisa and I are like that. We're kind of we're not planners. Uh, but we do what we can, and we everybody knows they have to do enough to get uh, keep the house clean, keep food on the table. And so they learn responsibility at an early age and discipline. Discipline is very important because if you don't have discipline and you have a child, well, it's not a big deal. But if you don't have discipline and you have a house full, then it's, it's wild. And so discipline, I think, is one of the things. I think an advantage in a big family is that the children end up being more disciplined and self-disciplined because they know they are not the superstar. Uh, you know, well, Lisa mentioned not everybody has to have everything, right? So that there's that sense of self-sacrifice, too, that you, you start to learn in a there large is. family. And, and definitely sometimes I need to remind my children um, that it's wonderful to be part of a big family. They see their friends um, who do get everything they want, most of their friends, and they do a lot of traveling with their family, and I'll get the, well, why can't we go or why can't we do this? And so I have to remind them that the joys of having brothers and sisters outweighs the sacrifices that but you, you know what what i've found and this is really interesting that you'd, you'd mentioned that and it sparked something that i thought about with my own family and that is most of my uh, my kids most constant companions i wouldn't say best friends but they're really good friends mm-hmm. are kids that come from small family mm-hmm. they come to our house because of all the there's always something going on the yes. fun the you just it's let's go to the Drzymski house my, my daughter, Cecilia, who shares a room right now with two siblings um, and complains mercilessly about it. <laughs> She's 14. Uh, when her siblings are staying over at Grandma's or at a friend's house, she's lost. She doesn't know what to do with herself. She loves the companionship of her brothers and sisters. I know. I've noticed that with my children. I only have four, yeah. but when one is not there at a friend's house, yeah. the other one is lonely. Very lonely. And have mm-hmm. you noticed the older children, like my oldest is a girl, start acting like a mother? I mean, yes. they really start taking on yes. learning how to help out just naturally. They and, do. My daughter will be the best mother ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about this idea that, you know, with, with having so many kids that you're also sort of preparing them to, to be families of their own, to preparing them to be parents because the older ones are starting to take care of the younger ones. Yeah, you prepare them very well for life, I think. Um, we, had, we have a neighbor with two children, and he was oh, struggling over which school to send his, his first daughter to. And he decided finally on this very, very small private school. And, he, and, and the reason he gave me was the attention the child will get. And I looked at him and I thought, you know, it's sometimes that's not the best thing for a child. A, a child really shouldn't be showered with 
all that attention. It's, it's, it's not the way of the world. And that's why I think so many children or so many people grow up and they're, they're just hurt by this world. They don't seem to fit in. Coming myself from a big family of seven, I, uh, I think you're exactly right. I, I didn't know it at the time, but I was being trained <laughs> by my parents to uh, at least know a little bit about what would, what, it, what would happen in a big family. And my seven brothers and sisters have, you know, eight and seven children here and there, and, they, and they're all the same. Everybody's, you know, there's no challenge that you're going to come across that you might, if you didn't know what was going to happen and what to do. One of my siblings has experienced it, or one of the cousins or somebody mm-hmm. have gone through, the, you know, similar kind of uh, problems or or. Uh, or, or blessings and uh, so there's you know there's nothing really that you can't handle well one of the life-changing moments i think for me was when i walked in one day and saw my 14 year old son changing a dirty diaper (laughs) and he had done it on his own no one said hey uh you gotta something's going on here you need to take care of this and it's not what he was doing in changing a diaper it's that he was doing it and uh you know a 14 year old that can be independent like that and that's a tough job to do most people can't do that uh, is is already you know so far ahead on other things in life that'll run into in school or work someday and all those things. What about in suffering, in times of trial, in times of testing, when we're trying to wonder what God has in store for us and we are experiencing something painful? You guys have a, a particular story to tell in in regards to that, and what a blessing your family has been. Well, it's not always uh, uh, you know rosy, right, Lisa? The uh, we Lisa mentioned we have eight children, but we have seven that are living. And our eighth child was uh, born after a completely normal pregnancy this past November 2011. Uh, born and did not survive delivery. And, uh, you know, all the children, of course, were so excited that we were having another child. We've had a child, child almost every two years. And uh, we had a completely normal pregnancy with normal ultrasounds and normal prenatal uh, visits throughout the whole pregnancy. And Lisa went into labor and, you know, felt that there, something might have been different when we went to the hospital. And they put the fetal heart monitor on. There was no heartbeat. And Lisa delivered after a few hours a beautiful little baby boy. And we named him Simon Stock Fallon. And he was uh, baptized immediately. And we had a beautiful uh, time with the child. And all the ch- all of our children were there. And my parents and other aunts and uncles and cousins yeah. came. And we had a funeral and everything. My husband was concerned. He didn't think we should bring the younger children into the hospital. And I, I thought, no, they need to come. They need to... They need to see this this uh, new baby and and have a chance to to hold him and to know him and um, it, it has been wonderful. My, my kids pray to Simon every day. He's part of our family. We include him in our family prayers every every day. Uh, and it is it, it was a suffering. It was very difficult for the children to. We're still accept. suffering. But every you know I mentioned uh, he was a beautiful baby boy, but he wasn't healthy. Uh, Simon was, and I immediately could diagnose him, and anybody could when he saw him. He was very, he had very severe uh, Down syndrome. And as a physician and as a parent, I had run into Down syndrome babies all the time, and I'd never really looked at them in the same way that I do now. And Lisa mentioned before that we see them all the time now as almost a blessing, and they're mm. always smiling on the flight over the happiness here of, uh, of to Down France. We, the, the little Down syndrome baby was sitting right in front of us and staring at us through the seats the entire time and waving, and yeah. and uh, that, he, they constantly remind us of Simon, and uh, and it might have been you know a little blessing in, in many ways that we've already had that maybe I wasn't caring and charitable enough to people that were you know had severe disability. Maybe I sometimes look at things too medically 
And uh, that has really helped me a lot with uh, understanding people's suffering even more. And uh, it's been a, it, it has been a great blessing. Plus, we know we have a saint in heaven. Not an, people will say, oh, you have a little angel. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we no, don't not have an angel. angel. We have a saint. A saint yeah. and, uh, yes. and he is. And to be the mother of a saint is... It is a, there is a pain attached to it, absolutely. But as, as we distance ourselves a little bit, I can see the joy in it. And, and I think the children do as well. And I can't pass, I can't pass a single down children, child without smiling, knowing that their heart and their soul is absolutely pure. And they will leave this world just as Simon did and just be a joy in heaven. The cemetery where we buried our, our son is right near my son's high school. And uh, we have to pick him up a lot because he's in sports and all that. And we stop by, and my son, Patrick, the oldest, who's 16, uh, he runs track, and uh, they do a lot of outdoor training. And he always tells me that, yeah, we, we ran by Simon's uh, gravesite today. We, he has his track team stop, and they say hello. So it's, you know, it's affected the children. In a, and in our night prayers and in our, in our daily prayers with our kids, we always, of course, are talking with Simon with the kids. And uh, I think they'll hold that with them their whole lives. But again, there's that support that you're getting. There's oh. all that love in the family that you can fall back on that. Absolutely. Right. They, they are so strong for each other. Uh, they love each other so much. And for all these people who think that you can't be everything to every one of your child if you have more than two, it couldn't be farther, than, farther from the truth. Or, or if a disaster happens, too. People today are, of course, so afraid of disasters. Many people today, if they find out they have a, a, a sick child in utero will choose to you know destroy the child with abortion and uh, you know that's brought so much pain and so much hurt in the world this tragedy has made our family closer made me closer to God I remember when I was speaking at the gravesite I gave a little talk like a eulogy type thing and I said to everybody I never talked to this child I ne- this child never opened his eyes he never did anything on this world he's affected there was 50 or 60 people at the oh, grave site or more. he's affected so many people. He's affected so many, so people. many people. And, uh, you know, I had a great understanding about God the Father, which we never really, I don't think about God the Father that much. I mean, you know, we, we should more, I guess. But as a father, burying a child, I thought God the Father gave me this great gift of understanding maybe a little bit about the, the choice he made to give his son to die. And uh, it, it opened up my eyes in a way that I had never really thought about suffering and, and the gift of suffering. You know, many Catholics, I think, forget that in, in our faith, suffering is redemptive. Right. No suffering goes you know, unused. Yeah. And I think when you have uh, a tragedy in your household, as long as the faith is there, not only between mother and father, but the children, you have to instill your faith into your children. They have to see you live it. They have to, to understand, to teach your children the catechism so then when they grow up and they're part of this world, they can defend their faith. Thank you for, for sharing all this with us. We really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been beautiful. And like it or not, you guys are the model Catholic family. We, <laughs> we're going to vote you as the official model That's Catholic right. family of the Catholic Cafe. I've got family envy now, Deacon Jeff. I understand, I understand. I understand why you would. And uh, so the Fallon family, we're, we're going to pray for you guys. Thank you so much again for uh, spending you. some Thank time you. with us here. Thank you, Rob. We're going to uh, close in prayer. We're going to ask our Blessed Mother to uh, hear our prayers and to lead us to Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary. Full, full of grace, grace the, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stein, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.